In episode 527 with Oliver Nenyo, we are talking about energy, how to remove energy blocks, especially when it comes to money. We talk about how to create a reality that is aligned and true for us and how to know if your feelings, stories, or emotions that you are carrying are actually yours or whether they are generational and how to release these blocks from your life so that you can be in alignment with your true highest self and live from that place, plus so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, Comparisonitis, and Time Magic. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I am so excited about this episode because we are diving deep into energy and releasing blocks. And for those of you that have never heard of Oliver, he is also known as the spiritual activator. He is a sacred geometry and energy activation expert, thought leader and celebrity spiritual advisor to the stars such as Demi Moore and Gwyneth Paltrow. He has trained and certified healers from over 60 countries. As the founder of the GEO Love Healing Methodology, he has almost 2 million students online and an extensive celebrity clientele. He is on a mission to teach others how to clear, protect, and unblock their energy so they can attract more abundance, love, and purpose in their lives. As a spiritual activator, He focuses on teaching people how to identify, activate, and master their spiritual gifts. And he works on the entire energetic system, going straight to the root of the issue with one's aura. Chakras, blood, organs, physical body, cellular level, DNA, gestational, generational, and karmic. He looks at it all. His healing usually takes effect after one session, which is amazing. And when he isn't healing the masses, he enjoys traveling with his children and family. And he and his wife, Mandy, are the co-founders of the Hustle and Heart Foundation, which aims to change the world one act of kindness at a time. I loved this conversation. For everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. That's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 527. And now let's bring on the incredible Oliver Nino. Oliver, welcome to the show. It is so awesome to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Oof, breakfast. That's a good one. So one of our friends is an herbalist. So she made this concoction for us. It's like a mixture of all those different herbs. That's, and it's supposed to like, you know, just help with your digestion, giving you like, you know, natural energy and helping your body learn how to deal with stress better, all those different things. So I'm actually right now on a uh, broth breakfast and I'm trying it out with a little bit of ghee and kind of like seeing how that um, kicks in. And I always love experimenting with how do you do with, because I do most intermittent fasting. So the broth doesn't break the fast. I'm like, perfect. Let me try it out. Right. So that's what I had for breakfast. Interesting. So tell us your origin story and how you got to where you are today. How did this all unfold for you? Gosh, I mean... It's like the most unlikely person because I never wanted or thought I would be a healer or be a spiritual advisor doing the things that I'm doing now. Like, you know, if you asked me 20 years ago, if this is what I was going to be doing, I probably would have laughed and said, "Mm, there's no way because my background is in business, right? Built businesses, sold them, um, did a lot of stuff online. So I, that was what I was focused on and I'm completely left brain, right? To where it's like, I'm just very numbers, very, very logical, very skeptical, very prove it to me. So yeah, I never saw it coming. And I remember when I hit rock bottom multiple times, like, you know, in business and in relationships and in just, you know, my internal, you know, well-being, I remember turning into different methods of bouncing back. 
and none of them worked consistently. None of them got me to where I was. Everything was what I felt like in a putting a Band-Aid approach to where, yes, it might temporarily make things better, but in, in, in a week, in a month, you're dealing with the same thing. So nothing worked until I found energy. And it was the only thing that worked when everything else failed. And it also got me results extremely quick. There was one time when I, I remember I was trying to grow my business and nothing that I did, you know, would work more hours. Nothing would, nothing would grow it. And this was like close to, you know, like 16, 17 years ago. And I was introduced to energy work and got my blocks removed, abundance, and I made more in a day than the entire year like shortly after. And I'm like, wow, like, what is this? Like, what, what is this stuff to where little goes a long way? It's exponential results. And that got me really, really curious about there's something to this energy thing, energy clearing and stepping into the spiritual path that was like a dangling carrot put in front of me of like, see what's possible. And I think that was the beginning of me being like, you know what? I don't, I can't understand this. This is scary. I don't know what it is, but I can't deny its results. So I'm going to go down the rabbit hole and see what this is all about. And for me, that was the beginning of, you know, the, my journey. Cause I never, you know, for me, it was all about, can I heal myself? Can I be a better father? Can I be a better businessman? Can I be, you know, can I be happier? Can I feel better? It was never like, shoot, I want to go ahead and heal the world and heal other people like I'm doing now. It was like, how can I be better? I feel like that was the beginning of, of my journey into energy, spirituality, and all the above, right? So saying you were a numbers guy, I guess that would have sparked your interest for sacred geometry, right? Honestly, the sacred geometry thing didn't come to a little bit later, right? So you would think it would be like, ooh, sacred geometry. No, I was more down the spiritual path led me to a completely different side of my brain. And it is living in divine synchronicity because all of a sudden you're seeing numbers everywhere, you know, angel numbers, 222, 11, 11. You're seeing all the signs. You're seeing all the synchronicities. You would, you would, you would see things that normally wouldn't make sense. You'd be like, oh, that's just, that's just an accident. And you would see several of those in a day, sometimes in an hour to where you're like, what is going on? There's obviously a language, a universal language going on here that is showing up and I can't deny it. So I feel like that shifted me into learning how to live in faith and learning how to live in divine synchronicity and following the science versus just living in, in, with my mind and leading with my mind. So I feel like that's when I got to practice that other side that I never really entertained before. And now it's a, it's a beautiful mixture of both. But for me, it, it kind of invited me and encouraged me to explore that kind of communication that we, I feel like we all, we, we all get. Can you s explain what energy is? Like, what is energy? Because some people might be like, what is this woo-woo stuff? I first discovered energy when I began on my journey. This was 2010. I hit rock bottom. I ended up in hospital. And I started kundalini yoga and qigong. And in qigong, you are working with the energy you are literally making energy balls with your hands. And that was the first time I actually felt energy. And I was blown away. I was like, wow, I can actually feel this energy in my hands. So that's how I first discovered it. That's how I really first had a tangible experience with energy. And I believe everything is energy. Everything is energy. And so can you explain? What is your definition of energy? Why do we have energy blocks within us and how do we remove them? Yeah, so energy, the simplest way to think about it, it's the invisible thing that connects all of us. We're made of energy and it connects us. So it's, for example, maybe have you ever had a, an experience to where somebody randomly who you haven't talked to in months or years pops in your mind? You're like, that's kind of odd. Next thing you know, they text you, email you, or call you, right? So when you see that, you're like, hmm, that's odd. Or you're feeling okay and then you walk into a mall or a crowded area and you start feeling anxious and next thing you turn around and the person next to you is anxious. You didn't have to say anything, but they're affecting you. So the way I look at energy, it's, it's an invisible thing that connects us, it affects us, and everything in life has energy. Your thoughts have energy, your emotions have energy that you can measure, your actions have energy, traumatic life events that happen to you have, you know, have energy, everything is energy. So the way I look at it is energy is the most efficient way to work. Because you can feel it for people who can feel stuff. Some people can see it. I can see it, right? And some people just are affected by it. But the thing with energy is that, let's say 
you have an energy block in your heart. And I'm going to go over how that might have happened. Let's say you were bullied like me when you were younger and people hurt you, then that might leave an energetic block in your heart, right? Which in my experience, if you don't do anything about it, they will start to affect your life. Because when you have a block in your heart, you might be like, you know what? The world is in a safe place. You know, I'm not going to shine my, I'm going to hide. I'm going to be invisible. Next thing you know, based on the block, plus your new beliefs that have energy, the emotions that you experience that have energy, and your decision of like, I'm going to hide and be invisible, which also carries energy. Now you're put into this vibration to where everyone that, that comes into your life are people who resonate in that frequency. Maybe they have a closed heart. Maybe they're narcissistic. Maybe they're not emotionally available. Maybe they make you feel invisible. So you're going to start attracting people that are of similar energy or can resonate with that. You're going to start attracting problems and situations that are similar to that because you're in that station. And you're there until you consciously decide to change it, right? So for me, that's how it happens. And as far as blocks are concerned, I mean, many ways. Traumatic life events can cause an energetic block. It could be your environment, right, to where you're fine, but when you step into a household or an office and everyone's negative, you're like, oh my gosh, my environment is now creating a block to where I can't be me. It can be gestational. You know, you're, while you're in your mom's womb, your mom experienced trauma, and next thing you know, you're affected by it. Or it can be generational, passed down. Your great-great-grandparents had it, your grandparents, your parents, and now you have it. And it wasn't created with you, but you were affected by it. You know, you're affected by the pattern and you're like, what's going on? But when you compare your story to what they went through, it's exactly the same. It's just passed on. So for me, those are how blocks are created and they affect us a lot. And you know, you have a block when you're like, shoot, why am I always attracting people that are toxic? Why am I almost barely making enough no matter what I try? Or I try to make more money, but every time I make it, you know, something happened and I lose it or I can never be happy. When you have something recurring that feels like it is, happening over and over again, and you can't solve it no matter what. And it's like you're driving with an emergency brakes on, and chances are it's a block, right? You're just, you just can't break through. It's like there's a, there's a barrier between you and what you want, and no matter what you do, you just can't seem to get there. Okay, we can all relate to this. I am literally nodding along with you because, well, I'm sure everyone has had an experience like that where they have walked into a room, they have felt the energy, they have had an experience. So we can all relate to this. So what do we do if we realize that we have a block and maybe it is generational or maybe it is gestational? Like you said, we realize that we have a block around our heart, which is blocking us from being open to love or receiving love, or we have a block around abundance and that is blocking us from going to the next level in our business, or we have a block with our health and it is blocking us from healing. What do we do? How do we move these blocks out of our body, out of our energy system? Here's the thing. The cool thing about it is I don't believe everybody has to be into spirituality to remove the blocks, right? Because that's one of the big things people are like, well, that's against my beliefs. I can't really go there. The truth is, yes. Can you remove the blocks with energy healing and clearing like I do or go to a sacred site and you know get people to work on you? Sure. That's one way of doing it. But every day people get rid of their blocks without even knowing they're getting rid of their blocks. I'll give you an example. Let's say somebody experienced trauma and because they they experienced trauma, they have a hard time speaking their truth and they have a hard time being themselves and standing in their power and taking up space. And they're always pleasing and people and they're always, you know, putting their needs last, right? So what do you think happens when that person decides, you know, today I'm going to speak my truth. I'm going to set boundaries lovingly. I am going to like, you know, take up space and unapologetically like, you know, do self-care. All of a sudden through their actions, they now choose a different reality. Because the thing is, it's not that events happen to you and all of a sudden you're trapped there. Yes, events can affect you, but it's what you do with the event. It's the meaning that you give it. How are you thinking after the event? How are you feeling? And more importantly, what do you decide? Do you decide when somebody breaks your heart that everybody's evil and that you're gonna shut your heart and you're gonna be invisible and you're gonna harden up? Or are you gonna decide and say, you know what? They must be in pain. It sucks that I'm going through this, but you know, there's goodness in the world and I am going to shine my light brighter and be myself and keep going, 
right? So our decisions shape our vibration, which in turn attracts our reality. So somebody could literally be, you know, in, in a funk and they have a block in their heart. And all of a sudden they're like, you know what? Instead of, instead of me closing my heart and having a hard time trusting, I'm just going to receive the compliment fully. I'm going to open my heart to fully receive. I'm going to do self-care. I'm going to put me first. I'm going to love fully. I'm going to like start trusting people again. I'm going to decide that that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to open my heart. You know, and when you open your heart, you get catapulted to that vibration to where people have open hearts, right? So I feel like the things that we do that might seem so simplistic, even if it's surrender. Let's say you're living in your, your head and all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I want to surrender. I want to surrender to what's for the highest good. And even the act of that sometimes catapults you to higher vibration to where all of a sudden your blocks aren't even there. They're not holding you back. So I feel like there's beauty in this seemingly simple concepts. They're not as sexy as what people teach that are like you know, 77 steps or whatever, but they're simple. But just because they're simple doesn't mean they're, they're easy to do. Sometimes it takes a lifetime of execution at different levels for us to be good at it. Because for example, so with surrender, it might be easy for, you know, for someone to surrender like me if I'm rock bottom. I have nothing left to lose, right? It's easy to surrender. You're like, okay, I've tried everything. Nothing left to lose. What's the worst that can happen, right? So it's easy to surrender there. But it's way harder to surrender when you've got everything you want. When you're going from good to great and you're like, I love this, but I'm, I know I can go higher and it's kind of a risk. And, uh, right? and, and surrendering and, and, and following and chasing your dreams at that level, it's way harder. But it's the same lesson, but different applications. So I feel like these lessons that we experience are soul lessons. When we act on them, releases the blocks that we have and we can be free of them as well. So that's one of the ways where we can do, even if we're not delving into energy, but just practical stuff, you know? So doing something different to what we've always done is the key here. So if you have always had blocks around receiving, do something different. Do something that is different to what you've always done. Open up, receive. And something that works really well for me is asking myself, how do I feel? in this moment? Do I feel constricted? Do I feel tight, dark, heavy? Whatever it is, I like to explore how I'm feeling. And then I ask myself, is that my truth? And the answer is no, because my truth is inner peace and contentment and love. That is my truth. And so all of this heaviness, stuck, darkness, that is actually not my truth. And I visualize it like you're wearing somebody else's clothes. They don't fit you, you know? So it's time to take off those clothes and put your clothes back on and get back into alignment with your truth, which is unconditional love. So that's something that works for me. And you mentioned something else before. It's like, these concepts are simple, but are you doing them every day? Are you doing them every single day? When something pops up for you, are you doing it? Are you walking yourself through this process when a block comes up? Or are you looking for the next thing, the next quick fix or the next 12 steps to help you create abundance or whatever it is? It's these little simple things that add up to big results or big consequences. And so for me, it's like these low-hanging fruits, these simple things that we can do every day, they are the needle movers. Absolutely. And a lot of times people don't, here's the thing, the beauty is in the simple things. If I look at my day and my wife's day, it's it's our self-care, it's our practices. It's the simple things over time that when you look at it, you're like, wow, you you guys have an amazing life or you, you, you've achieved this because it's, it's in the practice. It's in the principles. It's in the virtues. Again, there's stuff that you can do that are kind of like, you know, yeah, quick fixes or things that can get you instant results that people love, right? Who doesn't, right? But that's not where the magic is. The magic is when you find something that works and you do it, and next thing you know, your day isn't fight or flight anymore. You're not spending most of your time putting out fires and trying to, to survive. Your day is now creation. It's purposeful. It's striving. And I love the way you do it, which we do as well, is pattern interrupts. Is like literally, because the thing is, if you're feeling sad and you're feeling all these different, people are feeling all these different emotions, what would happen if they don't change that trajectory of it? It builds up and it spirals. And next thing you know, it builds up and, they, and they're creating decisions that affect their life forever. And the thing is, 
what if that was not even yours, right? Because I love how you said, is this even me or is this mine? For me, it's like, is this mine? Because chances are, if people are empathic, they're feeling other things that aren't even theirs. And they're thinking it's theirs because they have no context. So they don't think that they can actually absorb stuff from other people, right? Or is this even me? Which is a good one because let's say it is your stuff. But, you know, when you realize your truth of I am expansive, I am love, I am divine consciousness, I am, I am a creator of my own reality, then you realize that's not me. That might be a moment in time, but I'm far more expansive than that. Therefore, now you have perspective and you're like, okay, I can choose differently. But I feel like in times where you're faced with that, asking yourself a question that can change the way you think, the way you feel, what you do next is so important. Like what you do, it's very effective. Mm -hmm. And even asking yourself, is this generational? Is this mine? This is not my guilt. This has come up for me a lot since becoming a mother. There's that talk of this mum guilt, you know, or parent guilt. And when I tune into the feeling of guilt, it feels like what I was describing before, I'm wearing somebody else's clothes. And I'm like, this is actually not mine. And it's not my story. It is generational. And it stops with me. I get to break that pattern. I get to do that pattern interrupt to not pass that on to my children. And I have signed up for this. And this question, is this actually mine, is a really powerful question that we can ask ourselves. And sometimes it might be. Yes, it might be something that's come up for you that you need to release. But most of the time, it's generational or somebody else's. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, is this mine? And if it's yours, the beautiful thing about it is you can own it and work at it. And sometimes, yeah, you'll have the capacity. If you are super supported and you have, you're fueled up and your cup is full, sure, go for it when you can. But a lot of times people, like, you know, when it's theirs, their cup is empty to where they, they really don't have the bandwidth to tackle the whole thing right there and then. So it's okay to be like, okay, it's mine, but let me love myself through it to get myself in a high space or in the right environment so I can actually deal with it. But the, the truth is, that re the reality is I've seen is a lot of stuff that you think is yours might not even be yours. Because the things that you think is you might be a byproduct of role modeling from what you've seen from your parents that they role modeled from their parents. It's generational, right? But the thing is, there's a beauty in not self-identifying and making it an identity level. This is me versus like, hmm, this pattern is showing up. These behaviors are showing up. This thought pattern is showing up. This emotional pattern showing up and being curious, you know, versus saying like, I am this, like stepping back and be like, this is showing up, hmm, where's this coming from? And I feel like the curiosity of it helps you not spiral with it, not be too attached to it, to where it's debilitating. Absolutely. I always say, and I say this with all of my coaching clients. The words that follow I and I am are so important. It's really hard for me to even say this, but I'm going to say them just for an example. I'm always tired. I don't have the money. I can't afford this. There's no guys out there. I'll never meet the guy. All of those things that come out of your mouth that follow I or I am or these big statements, that is crafting your reality. So, we have to be mindful of our dialogue and our thoughts because they are our paintbrush and our paint. They are creating our life, painting on the canvas. With every word that we say, they are our spells. And so we really do need to be mindful of this. I am pulling up my husband on this so often. And he's like, oh, yes. Sometimes he doesn't even realize it. It's very unconscious. It's super unconscious. And when you say it, like, you know, it's almost like the beauty in it is sometimes is when you catch yourself, you sit and you're like, oh, wow, I'm saying it. And you're, you become conscious of what was unconscious. But a lot of times you might not even know you're saying it because you're thinking it. It's silently there in your head until you catch yourself thinking it and saying it. And you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Because a lot of times they're like, you know, we operate as humans. Like, you know, if we've done something long enough, we operate on complete autopilot. So by the time you're feeling something, a lot of times people are like, wow, I'm feeling this. And they think that's the beginning point. Nope. You have several steps that have happened that are unconscious 
that led you to here. And the magic at times is figuring out what are the unconscious things that led you there because those things are happening. And if you can get ahead of it, you can learn the lesson without having to experience the pain. You don't have to revisit a whole trigger fest and spiral of getting there. And when you wake up, it's too, you're like, it's too late. You can catch it in the very beginning, but a lot of times it takes a lot of courage and effort to at first shine the light on what are the things that we're doing, thinking, you know, and, and unconsciously so we can understand the pattern. And when we do, it's extremely liberating. But at first, like, you know, you, it's good that, you know, your husband has you to point it out because at times you might not even know, <laughs> you know, we might not even know we're saying these things and we need feedback because it's in our blind spot. So if you have, if you have external feedback, it, you know, it's when your clients have you and you give them feedback that they can't, that they can't, you know, see or hear, it's valuable because someone's telling them something that they're unaware of, or they're, or sometimes the mind is so smart that it protects you from even seeing that because, you know, our, the way our brains are wired is survival and safety. So if it doesn't want you to revisit a trauma or to to handle these things, it will kind of hide it. And it's and it's shown. I read a studies, uh, you know, years ago that the brain is so smart that at times it will hide its own tracks and kind of prevent you and compartmentalize it and prevent you from even accessing it until it's time. You have the right environment, the right coach. You're not going to spiral and you're going to be able to handle it. Then sure, it shows up. But in the meantime, it's blacked out, you know? So it's so unconscious that you can think about it, but it's never going to come up unless someone points it out or it's time, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that is really important to talk about because whatever does come up for you, whatever stories, emotions, feelings, whatever arises within you, know that you are not that thing. You are not that story. You are not that fear. You are not that feeling. It is not your identity. And our ego gets attached to it, creates another story around that feeling or that emotion. And sometimes we can then spiral into darkness. But we have to remind ourselves that we are not that feeling. We are not that emotional, that story. It is moving through us. It is washing over us like a wave. And we can choose to buy into it, or we can choose to let it wash over us to get the lessons, the growth, whatever it is that has come into our life, or get that and then allow it to wash over us and come out the other side as a new, evolved, better version of ourselves. Absolutely. And that's the biggest thing I feel like it's such a good skill to have is as things are happening, as you're having the self-talk, as, as you're experiencing the debilitating emotions, as you're about to do the thing that can make you shameful, is catching yourself and being like, hold a second, I have a choice. I know where this leads and I can fuel it or I can turn left and do something else. When that first happens and you realize it, it it's so liberating because you realize, wow, the pattern doesn't control me. I can observe it and I can change it. And I'm actually a creator of my reality. But a lot of times, like, you know, we're never taught that. I mean, it's not like we were sat down when we were kids and our parents are like, hey, when you feel triggered and you have these different patterns, realize it's not you. You're not your emotions. You're not your body. You're not your thoughts. You're not all those different things. You're something higher, right? It's like people tell us sometimes the opposite. Like, you know, you are that. You are this. Feel... And it's, it's good. Feel things deeply, like, you know, go through it to be authentic with yourself. And I'm cool with that if it's your true self. At the beginning, how do you know? Because it's so convoluted. You don't know which one is yours, borrowed, modeled, programmed to where you think it's authentically you. But if it's causing you pain, if it's causing you unhappiness in life, then I, I believe that it's, in my personal belief, that it's not your natural, most authentic self. And it's something that you just kind of borrowed or, you know, took on or generational stuff, right? So I feel like that's an important thing, important thing to also kind of pay attention to. Absolutely. And you mentioned this, and I just want to reiterate it, be mindful of what other people put on you. You're this, you're that. Be mindful of that too, those stories. Always come back to your truth, unconditional love, divine creation, whatever you want to call it. A little example of that is my daughter, we were down at the park with my dad the other day and she fell over and she didn't hurt herself, but I mean, she's a toddler. They fall often. She fell over and she was upset about it. And my dad rushed over to her and started saying, you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. I didn't say it then and there. 
later that night when she'd gone to bed, I said, Dad, please don't tell her how she is. Because I just picked her up and grabbed her and walked away. And whenever she hurts herself, I just hold her and I allow her to express and allow her to be upset or whatever it is. I never tell her how she is. And I think as parents, this programming is really outdated. You're okay. You'll be all right. Like, no, let them have their moment. And so later that night, I said to my dad, if she hurts herself in the future, he actually said to me, well, what do I say then? Because it's so conditioned and that it's so learned. He said, what do I say, Melissa? And I said, well, you can either pick her up and just hold her and you can say, I see you've hurt your knee. Would you like me to give it a kiss? Or something like that. Or you can just hold her and just let her express. You don't have to do anything. Just let her release her emotions. And he was like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. I can do that. But it just blew my mind that he didn't even know what other options there was because that is what has been programmed and conditioned into us from their parents and their parents and their parents. Absolutely. And it's one of the things where that's where, you know, compassion comes in at times when you're when you're looking at the people who've hurt you or, you know, parents and you're like, you know, yeah, they they've done this and you realize, okay, they're a product of their time. And you do and you say and you declare what you said a while ago, which is something that I, I'm a big fan of, of like, that's might have been the way it's always been, but it ends with me. It's my purpose to because you know, you were born for it. It wouldn't have been put in front of you to be conscious if you weren't the person to break that pattern so that moving forward, you know, your children and their children can be free from the generational thing because it's only generational until someone stops it, right? And puts an end to it. And that's one of the, you know, identities that I like, you know, wearing proudly. And I encourage people to step into it. It's like you're pattern breakers for generational stuff and you're experiencing it. And the deepest pain that you've experienced is probably the main thing you're here to solve or to hear part of your purpose work is, is it's connected to the people you're here, you know, your story of overcoming is probably going to be inspiring to people you're here to serve, right? So there's purpose, you know, there's, it's pain with purpose. You know, it's birthing something new that is liberating for everybody else, right? So for me, that's it's extremely empowering when you share it with people like, hey, you know, like, it can be elevated. It doesn't have to be all pain. Absolutely. You mentioned empaths and sensitive people. Talk to us about protecting our energy and negativity and how we can navigate those situations. Right. Good question. And I'm a big fan of different skills at different stages. At the very beginning, it's training wheels. People are, you know, they they might be drowning in so much of other people's stuff that they're chronically just drowning. So they need a life vest so that they know what it feels like to not struggle. You know what it feels like to be, right? And that's what it is at the beginning. Learning how to protect your energy, super important. As And it gets to a point to where it starts to hold you back because the life vest only makes sense when you're in water. But when you start walking around the life vest all throughout your entire life, you're eating out, you're going to bed, and it starts becoming you know, out of place. So the thing with protection is it's the beginning is great because it helps you for a second connect to your authentic self because you now feel what's you and feel what's not you. And you can tell a difference when it's being affected to where now you you can be like, wow, I'm affected and this is not me. Maybe I, I shouldn't make decisions in this space. Maybe I should do something about it, right? So you now have that option. But in the long run, you know, your vibration becomes your protection because as you go higher and higher in vibration and you remove the blocks and you do your healing and you elevate in your consciousness and your purpose, what ends up happening is in those higher elevated spaces, things simply can't exist or it doesn't show up. Or if, if, if ever it does, you have so much bandwidth and resources to where you deal with it like this versus it looming over you yeah, for years or decades, right? And the long-term goal is your, your vibration becomes your protection. And when I first started it out, sure, was I, you know, protecting myself, you know, crystals, saging, cutting cords, doing shields, like you know, several times a day after I talked to somebody negative, all those different things. Yes. Did it make a difference? Absolutely. Because I, for a second, felt like I had control over my energy. Nowadays, it's when it's needed. Maybe once 
every few months if I'm doing a big event or if there's something you know, that I'm going through in my personal life that is triggering that I now I know I'm compromised and I'm in a lower vibration, then sure, I'm going to bring out all the old tools for protection because I need it and I'm glad that I know how to do it. But for the most part, I, I don't need to because I, I feel like I'm in a vibration where things simply can't affect me. And, and there's two parts of it. At the very beginning, yes, you might be the empath. You walk in a mall or a store, somebody negative affects you, and that's another person affecting you. Right, but what people don't talk about is the flip side of that. Is when you're when you're grounded in your truth, and when you're shining your light, and you're embodying your essence and your nature, and you you know your purpose, you know what you're here to do, and your heart is open, and you're here to serve. Then it becomes the opposite. You walk out, and you become that one person that that lifts the entire store up or the entire city up, and your light affects the darkness, and you no longer are afraid of it. You know, and if you think about it, like you know, a dark room is only dark until light comes in and the light disappears. And a lot of times people forget that we are light and we think that we're darkness. And it's in our remembrance and returning to our light that we realize that the light within us is a solution to the darkness around us, that we are the solution. Turning our lights on and stepping, that is it. And when you embrace that and step into your power, all of a sudden you're like, I don't need to protect myself. I need to spread what this light that I have. And it's not always going to be perfect because you're not always going to feel that way. So in the times when you don't and you're triggered and you're going through life, that's when the protection comes in at more advanced stages. But you know, for the most part, when you live in that space, it's like you're affecting everybody you talk to, you see, you walk past by, you look everything because you now become a walking, eating, living, breathing, healing machine <laughs> in my book to where you become a force for good. Yes, beautiful. And we all have that abundant light within us. Every single one of us. No one has more of it or less. We all have the same amount. And it's our job to shine that light every single place that we go to, to everyone. And we're only doing a disservice to ourselves when we are dimming our own light. I want to share something with you. I see a lot of women online not shining their light when it comes to especially their businesses and abundance and they really dim their light. They have these huge goals in their businesses and they have huge things that they want to do and achieve and they dim their light and they have maybe abundance blocks then come up, which manifest in their story. So how can we remove any blocks that we have around abundance is it the same sort of thing? Is it just, you know, realizing that it is generational or um, gestational or whatever? Talk to us about abundance blocks and, and what you've seen. And then also, how can we just stop dimming our light and be the shiniest, brightest version of ourselves? Really, really good question. So abundance is a lot to it. And I can go on for days, but I'll, I'll share some of the, the most profound things. So one of my best friends, and a business partner in another in another venture, he grew his business from zero to hundred million in like eighteen months, right? And then he went on to sell like you know billions of dollars worth of products online. So very very well respected guy, and extremely spiritual, right? You would never think, but he's like extremely extremely spiritual. And we were having a conversation, and he was sharing with us. He's like, you know what, Oliver? When I was starting out decades ago, he was stuck at a six figure mark for such a long time, and nothing changed it. He's like, you didn't know what to do. And it kind of reminded me of my story. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Okay. I, I went through that path. And he was like, there's one lesson that I learned, change everything. And then when I learned this lesson, like within learning this lesson in four months, I became a millionaire. I'm like, okay. And he was sharing a story about, he was going shopping with his wife and he was looking for eggs. And he's normally used to, you know, buying a certain kind of egg, a little bit on the cheaper side. I mean, he was, you know, conservative and, you know, and, and that stuff. So he was trying to save money. And I remember he was buying an egg and he got it and he was ready to buy it. And then his wife was like, you know, don't you want to try a different kind of egg? Right. So, you know, and he was working at it at, with his health at that point. And he wanted to be more optimized. So he looked over and he's like, okay, there's these, there's other eggs over here, you know, they're organic, you know, they're, they're, you know, cage free, they're, you know, free range, all that stuff. So, you know, he got it. He looked at the price and then he cringed. Right. He cringed. He had, and in that moment, he had this internal aha, like, wow, I'm cringing with something that could better my life because of a few dollars or whatever the difference is. A few dollars can make me cringe. 
And so he rewired that and instead of cringing, was grateful, thankful for, you know, thankful that it's here, thankful that it, you know, and re rewired his reaction to money. And within four months, he was a millionaire. And that's one of the most important things that people don't realize. It's what's your reaction to money? What's your reaction to bills? What's your reaction to spending money? What's your reaction to spending something that you perceive as more expensive? What's your reaction to spending stuff on yourself? What's your reaction to abundance? What's your reaction when you see someone successful? What's your reaction when you see somebody win? What's the reaction when you see someone get what you want, but you don't have, right? Do you go into self-pity? Do you go into shame? Do you go into self-hatred, right? Do you go into like retracting or are you expanding? Are you celebrating them? Are you being grateful? Are you, are you celebrating the thing that you want? Because if you are reacting to it negatively, what ends up happening is it, it puts you, you know, in a, in a polar frequency with that, which you want the most. And it's like two magnets. You can't get it together. Right. But if you're celebrating it, you're, you know, you're, you're grateful for it. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're blessing that which you want more in your life. You're putting yourself in the same frequency as that which you want. And us being in the energetic game, that's the way to go. <laughs> because the things that show up in your life are the things that, you, that show up when you're in the frequency of that which you desire. Right. So a lot of it is the reaction to abundance and money and successful people is one of them. You know, your relationship with receiving. How are you with receiving compliments, you know, and, and, and gifts? Are you like, oh, thank you? Or yeah, you too, are you trying to deflect? Or are you like breathing it in and I receive and really, really receiving it? Well, what's your rules around money? Is your rules like, like you know, it has to be like, I know my, my mom, she, when I was younger, her rules, she would tell me, you know, your grandfather always said, you know, slow and steady wins the race. You know, you got to do it for a long time, work really, really hard. Right. And I broke all those rules because there are times where things were fast for me. I still did work hard, but it gets easy over time when you put a lot of work in. So a lot of it is, and I've seen people do where they, they're, they're right there, but because they have rules, they're like, they go back. And when they're finally ready, they do it. So it's the rules. It's your beliefs around money. It's who you're going to lose. So if your parents or your loved ones are like, ooh, money is the root of all evil. What do you think you're going to do? If love and connection is something that's super important to you, would you go full force in your potential or will you barely get there? Because if you got there, who would you lose? Or maybe you don't like the person you're going to become because you think you have to be a certain way to get that. Therefore, you're like, that's not me. And you create all these different things that stall or sabotage it because truly you don't want to lose yourself because you have a false perception of who you have to become when you have abundance, right? So there's a lot of different layers and levels playing here. And typically with somebody, there's one thing, the big thing that's holding them back, right? And once they figure that out and they get it right, not the fake thing of like, oh, I just have to work more hours or I just have to hire and do more marketing. Sure, those things count, but they're not the deep rooted core issue that when you unleash it, it's not like one step growth. It's monumental geometric what happened they just skyrocketed kind of growth. You know what I mean? And to get that, you have to go deeper. I love this so much. And I want everyone listening to observe your reaction to money today. Whenever you go to buy something or anything today, I want you to just observe your reaction to it. I know for me, in the past, my reaction was always like, oh, you've got to save, 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 because that's what I was taught. you got to save, save, save. Don't spend any of your money. Like, just spend what you absolutely need to, the, the basics, the, the necessities, and then don't spend any more. And you got to save, save, save. That was my dad. you got to save, save, save. you got to work really, really hard, and you've got to save, and then you retire. And that was really interesting to observe my own reactions to money. So whenever I would spend money, I would feel that like, <gasps> shouldn't be doing this or, you know, that feeling. So observe. And I'm going to do this too. My husband and I, whenever we have bills come in, we're like, we are so grateful. Thank you, electricity company. Thank you so much for our electricity. So powerful. Yes. Because a lot of people have so much, like think about it, the, the fact when people get bills, it's like, it's such a oh my, dreadful experience, right? To where 
it messes them. And that, that I'm glad you say because Bills is one of the areas to where it, it gets a lot of people. It does. It, they feel anxious. They're scared. They're angry. All those different things. Instead of like, thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. And then realizing it's just a flow of energy. Money is just a currency. It's just energy. And being neutral if you can. Not giving it, you know, if you can't be positive, at least be neutral. Right? But the gratitude is, is powerful. But yeah, bills get a lot of people, let me tell you. Yes, exactly. Just try and be grateful or feel grateful for the bill, for whatever it is that you're paying. Say thank you. Thank you so much to that person, to that company, whatever it is. That will instantly change your relationship with that thing. For me, like we go to the organic shop and I go in there and I remember buying <laughs> this chocolate one time. It's an organic vegan chocolate. It is absolutely delicious, right? It's got adaptogens in it. It's so beautiful. And the guy behind the counter turned to the other girl that he was working with and under his breath said, I can't believe she just spent $60 on chocolate. And I heard him say that. And I was like, have you tried these chocolates though? And he was like, no, I haven't. But everyone comes in and spends so much money on them. And I can't believe how much people spend on this chocolate. And I was like, well, firstly, you haven't tried it. And secondly, like I was aware he was a young boy. I saw his money patterns straight away. And for me, I don't even look at the price tag of organic food because that's such a high core value for me. And so it doesn't even come into my world. But I was like, buddy, you just need to try this chocolate. But it was really, it was such a good reminder that we all have different money stories. And his right there was how I was when I was younger. And we can reprogram this. This doesn't have to be our reality. But if we don't look at it, if we don't look at it, we will continue to play out stories in our life that manifest that same lack. So we do really need to address these abundance blocks. Otherwise, we'll just keep recreating and recreating and recreating the same scenario over and over again. Yeah. And the thing with that you mentioned, because you're like, you know, my dad says that, is when you have these things come up, it would have been like, you know, it's been helpful if you're like, you pro and you probably did at one point, is this mine? Whose is this? you realize that even his reaction, the, the, the guy with the chocolate, that might have been his mom's or dad's reaction. But they never think of that. They think it's them. And that's the biggest blind spot when you're like, like you said it, I am, this is mine. That's the biggest blind spot because you, 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 there's not, not much progress because you're going to defend who you are to the death of you. You're going to stick to your identity and that's who you are. But if you turn it into patterns and behavior and things that you can look at and be like, hmm curiosity, opportunity for change. I love that. Curiosity is such an important trait to embody in every area of our life. And when I hit rock bottom in 2010 and I ended up in hospital, I was so physically and mentally unwell. And I remember reading my first spiritual book, Louise Hayes, You Can Heal Your Life. And my mind was blown absolutely blown at the concepts that she was talking about in the book. I turned to my mom and I was like, why have you not taught me this? And she was like, oh, darling, I was doing the best that I could. And granted, they absolutely were. And they're incredible parents. I love them. But I remember in that moment, having this realization that oh, all of these money stories are not mine. Oh, all of these relationship stories are not mine. The stories around my health are not actually mine. And I had a journal there with me in the hospital and I was like, that's dad's, that's mom's, that was my school teacher's, that was my grandparents. And then I went and crossed them all out and I wrote, what do I believe about money? What do I believe about relationships? What do I believe about health? What do I believe? And I rewrote out my beliefs around these things. And in my phone, I still have my beliefs around money in there. And if anything ever comes up for me, I go back and I reread that. And I'm like, that's mine. That's my truth there. Not 
what I was programmed or conditioned to believe. So do this exercise this week. Write down all of your beliefs, all of your stories, and then ask yourself, are they actually mine? And if they are, give them a tick and highlight them. If you're happy with them, and if they're not, cross them out and write a new set of beliefs that are aligned and true for you at this phase and season of your life. And that's important to also mention because your beliefs can grow and evolve and change as you do. So you're not married to this belief. It can grow and evolve as you do. Yes. And that's a good distinction because a lot of times people feel bad. They're like, I was doing really well when I was meditating two hours a day, three years ago. And they're trying to do that today. And they think they're a failure because they can't do how, what they did a few years ago, not realizing that you evolve. And as you evolve, things get faster, right? As you evolve from modem, you know, dial up to fiber optics back in the day, you know, you would, it would be a five minute, like trying to connect to the internet and you're used to that. And internet is slow, takes you a minute. And now, you know, you barely can hear it. It's you're connected, right? But people are waiting for that gear up. They're looking for the thing that used to work, not realizing, you know, we've upgraded, we're upgrading. And when you're upgrading, it's new thoughts, it's new habits, it's new ways of thinking. It's faster, it's more optimized. And sometimes going back to the past is not going to be favorable because you changed. And the thing you did in the past worked for you because you were a certain way, but now you know, that you've upgraded, you need new, new things that are aligned with who you are and where you're leading and what's next for you. So I think it's super important that you mentioned that you, you beliefs are things that you can take on, wear like a hat and you can change it at any given time. It's not you, but, but it's something that for a moment, you know, helps you, uh, with what you're, what you're working through. And I feel like it's also, you know, advantageous to look at your beliefs as you're writing them down and, and ask them, Hmm, where would this lead me? And if I keep doing this till the day I die, would I have the life that I want? Where would I be? Or is it hindering me? And when you know that, then you can look at them being like, okay, maybe this can be modified. Maybe I can change. Maybe I can add more. Maybe it's not, you know, this was what it was, but let me see if I can edit this and, you know, change it because it's not serving you and, and, and the highest good. So I feel like that's, that's such an important um, distinction as well. What are some other things that we can do to raise our energy and our vibration? You've mentioned self-care. What are some other practical things that we can do to really make sure that our vibration is high, our energy is high, and that we are in alignment? Yeah. So when I sell self-care, it's kind of broad. And the way I look at it is the things that weigh you down a lot of times for a lot of people is energy to absorb from other people or excess energy that runs through us that kind of like drain us. And then next thing you know, your adrenal, your adrenals are in a shot and you're, you have no energy and you're like, ah. so it's either too much energy running through unexpressed or other people's energy that we absorb that, that is like we, like, like a pressure cooker, not released. And it's that, that, that lowers our vibration. So doing things that raise it are things, luckily that we have an affinity to towards that. A lot of times we've loved doing as kids that are there. And for some people, like for example, for my wife, for her, she wakes up in the morning, she has to move her body. She has to dance, she has to work out, she has to do something because movement for her moves the energy around and it releases anything excess that's not hers. So for her, movements is important. Journaling is important as well. She journals every single day. I'm not a big journaler, she is. And it works for her. She's been doing it since she was a kid. And that's the key there is like, it's alignment, it's natural. You. It's, it's natural for you to do it. And she journals. And when you journal, people don't think about this, but pen to paper, you're channeling and expressing whatever's in your heart. And it's now on that paper. So when people read books, b- books can move people, can make them cry, can make them laugh because it's filled with emotions from that, from that intention of whoever wrote it. Same thing with a journal is you can transfer it. So now it goes from your heart to paper. It's not heavy anymore. And for her, she, solitude also works for her, having her alone time you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes, you know, before, you know, before the kids wake up away from technology, away from kids, away from me, just being by herself. Because when you're by yourself, when you're an empath, you're never by yourself typically, right? You're always absorbing stuff because you're, that's what happens. But when you take time to be by yourself and this is just me, what ends up happening is you can feel your own energy 
And typically it's high vibrational. And in that, and in that space, it kind of clears out everything that's not yours as well. So for her, that works. For me, it's more like I love fun, family time, love and connection. You know, um, I like salt baths, right? Being in water. So for people, it can be elements. It can be they're under the sun. They're barefoot on the ground, grounding on the earth. They're outside. They're feeling the wind. They're by a fireplace. They're by water. For some people, it's that. For some people, it's animals. They're around animals and it helps them. For some, it's creation. They love by them, you know, creating something, writing a song, you know, creating a painting, you know, creating and building something. And that creation and channeling of energy phase, it moves energy through to where it just moves out, out all the stagnant energy. So there's that. For some, it's you know, it's helping others when they're when they're in their purpose work and you're serving, you get catapulted to do a higher vibration to where again you're in those higher vibrations. There's no need for protection. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. And the biggest thing is realizing what is it that you do typically when you're stressed that, you know, you, you do it when you're super stressed and it makes you feel good. Or what is it that you love doing as a kid that you enjoy doing, but you feel like you don't have time to do, or you've stopped doing, you don't do enough. But when you do it, it makes you feel free, makes you feel connected, makes you feel like in your element and happy and all those different things. And when you start integrating that in your life, not when shit hits the, the fan, but part of your life as a habit of like, I'm doing this every single day. And when the day gets more intense, you do more of it. You know, when the day gets more intense, you might have to do more in an hour if the day is more intense. And if, guess what? If something happens to where it's an intense situation, you know, loss of a loved one or grief, then give, then you have to do more. You might have to do a, a week off or a month off or in, and, and really focus on the things that kind of take care of your soul because you need it. So a lot of the times it's being flexible, realizing that you have your baseline of this is what I'm going to do daily. You know, even if it's one thing like th that's, that's nurturing my soul. And if it's a more intense day, then you do more and you rise up to the occasion. You rise up to the level of external influence that you're experiencing that's affecting you. You rise up to that and you match it. Right. And you're, and you're, and you're kind of fluid with it. And, and that's, typically what works well sustainably because it's something that you, again, easy for you to do. It's fun. It's not something that you have to force yourself to do. It's something that naturally you're just, you love to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So many great points. Thank you. That was awesome. This conversation has been so beautiful. I could talk to you for hours. I would love to hear now if you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, what book would you choose? Mm, I'm kind of biased. I'd probably pick my book. Besides your book, that should be in there for sure. What about another one? I would put The New Psycho-Cybernetics. I haven't read it. It is, I think it's sold like 50 million copies. Great book. I'm not much of a reader. I probably have finished eight books start to end in my entire like personal development books. All the others, I'm a browser. I'm like, open up intuitively, read a chapter and get what I need and I take action in it. But that's one of the books that I've read start to end. And it just, it's more on rewiring your mind, talks about self-image, talks about different tools that people can do to rewire that, uh, to have more fulfillment and more confidence. And I read that, gosh, in 2005 or six, and it made a, a, a drastic difference in just the way I view myself identity, realizing that that's not set in stone, realizing that the best versions of us we can create, the person that you want, you can step into, you can create that person. You don't have to settle with what you think you know you have and your shortcomings. All that is malleable, right? So it's a powerful book, The New Psycho-Cybernetics. I love it. I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Yep. What is one thing that we can do for our health? I think it is taking and appreciating the breath. Even if it's 30 seconds of you wake up in the morning and you're like breathing in for five seconds, holding it for five, exhaling for five and doing that for doing that for even a minute by just being present with the breath. And you can layer that with like, you know, as you're doing that, you're being grateful as you're doing that, you know, you're loving all parts of your body, organs and all this stuff and you're sending love and all different things. But just, it connects, it's a fast way to connect us to ourselves, and I feel like a deeper part of us that oftentimes we lose lose, lose connection to. Mm -hmm. Yes. What is one thing that we can do for more wealth in our life? For more wealth, I would 
surround environment is probably the, the most fastest way to rewire just wealth in general because in order to rewire wealth you've got to rewire the way you think your actions your behaviors and your you know and and all the above and you can't do that typically if you're around the same people and the people that you're around most of the time are people that don't, don't have the kind of wealth that you want so i feel like an environment is important is find a coach you know join the mastermind go to events read books be around the type of people that you want because there's something in the nonverbal communication, the energy transference that's so important. It's kind of like immersion. Like, you know, I, you know, for example, I learned more Spanish in two weeks that I was in Guatemala than two full semesters of trying to learn it. And that's because everywhere I looked, you know, in order for me to eat, to survive, to get to, to from one point to another, I had to speak the language and then everybody did. And it sped up my learning through osmosis, my environment. So I feel like creating the environment that has that and more that stretches you is so important. Absolutely. And the last one, what is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? For more love, I feel like we have to empty our cup of pain, hatred, and all the energy that we store in our hearts. Because when we have that and we're holding onto that, it doesn't matter what comes in, we can't fully receive it because we're holding on to the past. So, I mean, one of the things that I did back in the day was writing down a piece of paper, and it was a lot of papers, everybody that's ever hurt me. And it's not an act of forgiving them because some people take time to forgive them. It's an act of releasing. It's not, people think I got to forgive to be able to move on. No, you just have to release. Yeah, because releasing means you're releasing that energy from your body, from your heart, and you're no longer holding on to it and that you're able to move on. So I wrote down the names of everybody as far as I could remember has ever hurt me all the way as I can. And I'm like, and I release this energy. I burned that paper. And I remember I was like just bawling and crying for, you know, just I didn't expect it, you know, for, for hours. And then it, just, it was just a release. And that made space for the new because I was willing to dump out all that mucky, yucky, old energy in my heart that was taking up so much space to where it doesn't matter if so much love comes in. If I only have space for 2%, then that's not really enough, right? You have to clear it so that you can fully feel all the blessings that, you know, that are waiting for you. Absolutely. And you are such a blessing to this world. You are helping, you are serving, you are inspiring so many people. So thank you for sharing your love and your light with us. Uh, thank you so much. You are so welcome. I have loved this conversation. Before we go, I have one more question for you. How can I serve you? How can myself and the listeners give back and serve you today? Check out my Instagram. I put a lot of my best stuff online. And if you feel like it is helpful, share it with somebody that you feel they might need it. And, and that's the thing is like my goal, like, you know, and it's funny, is all my best stuff. Because my goal is reach. And I know there's a lot of people that might not be able to buy my book that I won't be able to hug in person or I will never be able to have a conversation with. So for me, my intention is how do I reach the unreachables? Then I'm going to put all my best stuff out there. So if all it is that if somebody sees a, a three-minute video, a five-minute video, and that's all they ever got from me, I put those put so much thought and potency behind those videos that I make sure that they they, they leave an impact for those that need it. Right, so I don't take it lightly. Everything I put out there, it's it's it comes from the heart, and it's with the intention to serve at the highest level. So, um, I would say browse my stuff. Hopefully, it helps you, and if it does, you know, share it with somebody who you, who might need it that day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, we can do that, and we'll link to all of your magic in the show notes so people can go and check you out. Oliver, this has been such a delight. I could sit here and talk to you for hours. But I know you have a babe to get back to, and so do I. So thank you for being here. I particularly loved the stuff around money and abundance. That was really powerful. So thank you for sharing, and thank you for being here. I'm so grateful. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Melissa. I really want to inspire you guys to look at your stories that you're telling yourself this week. And your reactions to money. That is your homework. Go and look at those two things, write them down, and please DM me. Let me know how you go. But 
when we observe our behaviors, this is when we can change. This is when we can shift our patterns so that we can live in alignment with our truth and get back on our true path. This is how we make the shifts. This is how we make the changes. Whether it's in your business, in your relationships, in your health, this is how we make those shifts by identifying our stories that we're telling ourselves and the reaction to the things in our life. So that's your homework, my friends. I cannot wait to hear from you. And if you loved this conversation, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And also means that all of my episodes will pop up in your feed so that you don't have to go searching for a new episode. Now, come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what you got from this episode. I would absolutely love to connect with you and hear from you. Now, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this conversation, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.